Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance and Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hey everybody, welcome to Unspooled. Unspooled. I am Paul Shear. I'm Amy Nicholson. And this is a very special episode of Unspooled. It's an Unspooled mini. Um, Amy, let's tell people what we were doing with this special episode of Unspooled. You know, we talk every week about what is on the AFI list, whether it deserves to be on the AFI list. And it sounds fun to be talking to people who are really smart, know a lot about movies, who come at movies from a bunch of different perspectives besides ours about what they think should be added. And what we thought was it would be really interesting to open this conversation to other people, what they would like to see on the list. So we'll be doing these special episodes uh, over the course of the next couple of months. We're talking to writers and directors and actors about films that they would like on the list that aren't on the list. Exactly. We have a very cool first person that we're going to start with. He is a person that is very near and dear to my heart, not just because he's also born in San Antonio where I grew up. And he writes for my good friends at The Ringer. Yes, he's a hilarious writer at The Ringer. He's also on a lot of their podcasts. Um, but he wrote a great article recently about Gerard Butler that I really love. But he also has written some really interesting books. Uh, this one book that is just great, it's called Basketball and Other Things. Uh, it was actually on uh, President Obama's list of his favorite books of that year. Basically, there are a bunch of interesting essays about uh, players and basketball. And he's released a brand new book. And it's called Movies and Other Things. And we figured, what better person to bring on the show than someone who just wrote a book about movies and has a really interesting point of view. So please welcome Shay Serrano. So Shay, talk to us. What would you add to the AFI Top 100 Best Movies of All Time? What would be your first choice? Paul, I have to ask you a question first. Sure. Are, are there any rules here? I mean, is this just like a straight up, this has to be like a prestige film, or can I pick all movies are available to me right now? All movies are available to you. You would agree with that, right, Amy? Yeah, as long as they're American. Yes. All movies are available to you. So I have a, okay, then I, then I know what I want. I know which three that I want out of all of the movies. And I'm going to avoid movies that I think will eventually be on there anyway, like The Social Network or, or Get Out. Okay. Or something like that. I like I'm going to pick some that. 
Okay, so here's my first one, and I'll go in chronological order. This one came out in 1992. A brilliant, brilliant basketball movie starring my beloved Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson. Give me White Men Can't Jump. I feel like this needs to be on. This is not only the best basketball movie that we've ever gotten and one of the, like, four best sports movies we've ever gotten, but it's also very, like, openly a very, very great movie about race. And this was, like, a for me, a formative movie watching, like growing up, you're watching, I'm watching like the NBA on NBC games on Sunday and I'm in San Antonio. So like, I've never seen this version of basketball played. I've never seen a character like Woody Harrelson, uh, Billy Hoyle or, or Wesley, Sidney Dean, just sort of talking shit to each other the whole time and just running their mouths and causing trouble and being cool. I'd never seen anything like it before. It's so funny. You mentioned that movie because this came out for me, when I was probably just starting high school, and I love this movie. I had the soundtrack, uh, great performances, but I don't think it's really brought up that much when you talk about sports movies. Uh, like It's always like Bull Durham and Hoosiers. But everything you said, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go watch this movie. Why do you think this movie kind of you know, is a little bit on the outskirts of the sports movie genre? I would guess because it has very open conversation about race. That's not a thing that a lot of people are interested in doing when they just want to watch something like Hoosiers, which is just a bunch of white guys <laughs> running ISO play. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, <laughs> right. It's a, it's, a different, it's a different conversation you have to have when you put this movie on. And I think that that's a little bit intimidating for a lot of people probably. No, I think you're totally right. I love this choice. Yeah, me too, because we really don't have that many sports films on the list. I mean, I've always been quietly hoping that um, we can get There's No Crying in Baseball. You oh, know, yeah. My my personal favorite yes. sports movie of all a time. A League of Them Are. A League of Their Own. Yes. But Ron Shelton actually did also Bull Durham and this. Like, he was he was a good all-around sports guy. And as much as I love Bull Durham, I'm actually open to this pick. I like this pick. And- yeah, Woody's great. Woody is t- Woody's top level. And I and I'm a big Wesley Snipes fan. I mean, this is like the prime Wesley Snipes era too. I mean, this is like I grew up where Wesley Snipes was the action star from like Passenger 57, Blade. This is like everything that Wesley Snipes was in was amazing. Uh, so this is a great. Yeah, I'm 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 very very happy with this pick. This is Wesley Snipes' run during that time. 1991, New Jack City. He's Nino Brown. Incredible. Oh, yeah. 1992, White Man Can't Jump, Sidney Dean, incredible. You mentioned Passenger 57, also 1992. Demolition Man, 1993. Sugar Hill, 1993. And this is a movie that gets Nike to release basketball shoes uh, that were in the design of Billy Hoyle and Sidney Dean. And they uh, Jeopardy. Jeopardy even did a shout out to the movie by having a foods that start with the letter Q category in a 1997 yep. episode of Jeopardy. This movie makes, uh, you know, it makes a big, uh, it makes a big dent in, in society and culture. I don't think I could name that many foods that start the letter Q. I'm at quinoa and... I can name all of them only because Rosie Perez named them all. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only reason. And this movie is a hit, too. This movie costs $31 million to make, uh, and it made $90 million. Like a huge, huge hit, especially for a movie that's not, I mean, $90 million in 92 for a non-action film. Yeah, it's, it checks off all of the boxes that you want in a movie 
if you're putting together a list of important movies, because there are just so many different branches you can spring off of here, so many different careers, so many different like names you can chase down. It's just an interesting, interesting movie. I love it. All right. Well, uh, this is I'm now I'm really uh, inspired to see what your next uh, choices are. Let's see. All right. The the next one is my personal all time number one favorite movie. I've watched this movie more than any movie that I've watched in my life, which is really saying something because the director's cut is 190 minutes long. Whoa. Blood in, blood out. Chicano gangster movie from 1993. A seminal movie in my life, just all around important. It was the first time that I'd ever seen Mexicans up on a movie screen. It was the first time I'd seen them be cool. It was the first time I'd seen them have a conversation. The main character in this movie, his name is Miklo. He's played by Damien Chapa. Miklo has a white father and a Mexican mother. And the whole movie is just him trying to get the Mexican side of his life to like make sense, not just to him, but like with him. And he's, he just has this constant conversation over and over again. Everybody's telling him he's not Mexican enough. He's not Mexican enough. He's not Mexican enough. And this is the thing that gets levied against a lot of Mexicans who grow up in Texas or just not in Mexico. And that really was like an important thing for me. And it's just a beautiful movie directed by Taylor Hackford. Have you seen this movie, Amy? Have you seen this one? Tell me you've seen this, Amy. I remember it coming out, you know, because I remember, you know, Benjamin Bratt being such a heartthrob, but I have to admit, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Now I'm I'm kicking myself. I like this. I'm also curious, like, what you think about, not that, you know, like, Taylor Hackford, an interesting choice to tell a story, like, this story, uh, you know, like, could it only be made because he had a certain cachet here? But, you know, this is a story that, it seemingly is not like in his wheelhouse. No, I, I get, I get what you're saying. So you're, you're basically, you're saying, is it okay that like a, a non-Mexican or non-Latinx person made yeah. this movie? And, and I think in 1993, it's, that's fine. It's hundred percent fine. If for no other reason than because this was the guy who did an officer and a gentleman, this was a guy who helped produce La Bamba. So he already had his feet in this world. Got like it. The, it it never felt like exploitative when he was doing something like that. It was cool to have like, oh, this is the guy we need to get this movie made. I'm all for it. Then Simon, it was the same when they made Selena with Jennifer Lopez. You know, Selena uh, Quintanilla is a is like a, a Mexican woman. Jennifer Lopez is Puerto Rican, and we were like, it's right. cool, it's fine. We just we just want this made. We'll take it how we can get it. That's where we were at that time. You know, sure. We were both in San Antonio at that time, and I remember lines of people auditioning to play Selena because they did that open casting call. Yeah, like, yeah. you can play Selena. And then everybody feeling kind of heartbroken afterwards. So it reminded me when they did the open casting call for Straight Outta Compton here. And I was, because I was, I saw so many of my friends feel brokenhearted about the Selena thing. I was like, oh man, all these people lining up being optimistic when, when the chances of people actually casting from what might be a publicity stunt are so small. Yeah, that was a, that was a wild time. That was like our version of Star Wars. There were people lined up. <laughs> they camped outside of the theater before Selena came out. I remember it was on the news and everything. You could see them out there. This comes out also Blood, in my, Blood Out the same year as Mi Vida Loca, which I, yeah. I remember that film making a, a huge impact. I mean, I think so much of the early 90s is the rise of like the young black auteurs and the young black filmmakers and stars. I mean, we did have this moment where I'm, I'm surprised it didn't go further with young Latinx filmmakers or stars or stories, even though that was also directed by Alison Anders. Yeah, there have been like little pockets like that where, where something pops up. You know what's interesting? I, um, you mentioned the Black Thought Tours thing. I was reading this article about Friday and the relationship, like 
culturally that Mexicans have had with the black community is like, oh, that's big brother, that's big sister. If they get to do a thing first or we see them do the thing first, then we're like, oh, we must be like in, in line. Or they got Black Panther, like what's our what's going to be our version of Black Panther? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's how, that's how it goes. And I was reading this article about Friday and they were talking about getting to make Friday and like coming up with the idea and all of this. And uh, they were explaining how they saw Cheech and Chong and they were like, oh, we can do like our version of that movie. And it just made me feel very good that like all of this stuff is sort of connected and cool. I don't know. But Blood In, Blood Out (laughs) is on the list. I love it. All right. This is great. And that's, you know, and that's a big one. Like that you said, like 190 minutes. I mean, that's a director's cut. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a Lawrence of Arabia style, uh, you know, entry (laughs) into the list, which I I feel like is a good one. It's actually great to talk about these movies that kind of come out and don't make the splash because we, I think that we live in a culture that kind of gets rid of, if it wasn't a hit, it's almost not worthy of going back and reflecting on. And I think that this is always a good thing for us to, to kind of look and be like, oh, maybe it came out before it's time, or maybe it is worth, you know, revisiting a lot of the biggest movies that we've talked about on this list were not critical hits when they came out and then they've kind of grown culturally, but we have to kind of get these things back into culture because it's weird how they can just kind of collect dust on a shelf uh, every now and then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on auto trader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. What, all right, what else? What is your third, your final, your final edition? <clears throat> My final edition, I'm putting this one on here. This one was a successful movie. This one features one of my favorite actresses of all time. It's also a rom-com, which is my, I don't know, top three movie genre for me. I like where mm-hmm. you're going with this. 2003, Diane Keaton, Jeff Nicholson, Something's Gotta Give. Directed Whoa. by Nancy Myers, my favorite rom-com uh, writer-director. This it, this is all of the things that I like in a movie. Diane Keaton, especially. This was the first time that I had watched a movie where it wasn't like okay, that nobody's going to get in a prison fight. There aren't any ninjas in this movie. There's no <laughs> explosion. I just watched this movie. It was just on TV one day. It was in my twenties at the time. Uh, I saw it and I was like, who is who is this person who's starring in this movie? Who is making everybody accidentally fall in love with her? I need to find out more about her. And then you just end up on a Diane Keaton rabbit hole and you find out like all of these incredible movies that she's made started all the way back from like, I mean, imagine you, you find this person 
and you realize, oh, holy shit, I've got 40 years of movies I get to go back and watch oh. or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? And she is um, the coolest. I mean, there's something about her. Diane Keaton is just seemingly has not lost anything that made her cool or interesting from when she first started on the scene till now. It's like, I'm still just as engaged by her. I, I, I love her. 100%. Like book club came out last year and I was like, yeah. I guess I'm going to watch book club because Diane Keaton is in it. And then it was, <laughs> and then it was great. I love that you picked this because, you know, we're coming up eventually on having to do Annie Hall and, I feel a lot of ways about it, but one thing I do feel is that, like, I don't want to lose a great Diane Keaton performance. You know, I want to have something great Diane Keaton on this list. I mean, okay, yeah. we've got The Godfather, but I want, like, the full radiance of, like, the spotlight <laughs> shining upon Diane Keaton and her getting to be who she really is, this woman full of life. Yes. The Diane Keaton scene in The Godfather, when she when she tells him it was an abortion, it was an abortion just like our man, like, um, breathtaking, like... She could just do all of the things that you don't even expect her to do in a movie. She just can do them without even seemingly trying that hard. My favorite Diane Keaton story is Nancy Myers told this story. They were interviewing her. She was talking about something's got to give. And there's a scene at the end of something's got to give where Diane Keaton professes her love to Jack Nicholson in the street. And so they're filming this scene. They're filming the movie. Diane Keaton does this scene and, they go off camera and Jack Nicholson goes to Nancy Myers and he tells her, I, I think, I think Diane Keaton just told me like, she's in love with me. Like he, he, wow. she was, she was, she's such a good actress that she took Jack Nicholson who has been in movies for a thousand years. Whoa. One of the greatest actors of all time. She had him so spun around that she thought that he thought she was really in love with him just because of this monologue that he knew they're in the fucking Whoa. middle of the movie. And she made him think she really fell in love with him. It's, you have to put Diane Keaton in there. I want something has got to give. That is amazing. You know, she got an Academy Award nomination for this movie. Like, I mean, look, if you can convince Jack Nicholson that uh, you're in love with him, I mean, I think that's worthy. Um, do you, where do you fall on Nancy Myers in general? Are you a Nancy Myers fan? Oh, absolutely. A Nancy Myers fan. Very pro Nancy. Nobody makes a better movie kitchen than Nancy oh, Myers. I love oh it. God. What, which one is it? It's it's complicated, right? Where Meryl Streep is a baker and yes. the whole thing is just her taking out trays and trays of croissants the whole movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. So much 2009, good. it's complicated. She did The Holiday. She did The Intern, which is not a rom-com, but she did that. She's a producer on Home Again with Reese Witherspoon, who is fantastic. Um, yeah. She, Nancy Myers, two thumbs up. And you know what I think is interesting? I feel like this is a movie that opens up this other genre of romantic comedy about older people. Like this is like, you know, people in their, like not twilight, but it's, a, you know, they're, it, it's a, it's a love story that we don't often see. And I think now we've really embraced that and we start to see it more. Like oftentimes it was like an older man and a younger woman. And I think that you could draw lines from this to even like a show like Grace and Frankie on Netflix. It's like, it's kind of exploring this untapped side, a, a funny, light, loving, like there's still life left here. There's stories to tell. Yeah. I feel like when something's got to give came out, that was so much of the news cycle about it. Right. was like yeah. women over 30 being able to fall in love again. Yeah. And now it actually, maybe thanks to this movie, I feel like I see more movies about older people in love than I see people in their twenties. Maybe because nobody goes to romantic comedy with two people in their twenties and they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. They're going to get married. Nobody gets married in their twenties. We all got jobs, people, you know? If if you're looking at 
just the rom-com gen, uh, genre in general. I think you've got four big tentpole moments in there. You've got When Harry Met Sally, which is like the start of it. Yes. Nora Ephron, you know, you know, we've got this whole thing. You've got uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, Julia Roberts is going to maybe be the greatest of all time at this. I think that's her best rom-com right there. Then you've got Something's Got to Give in 2003, which, as you're saying, opens the world up. We can recenter this. And then The Big Sick. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think that's like, okay, here's the like new modern rom-com. Here's how we, we do it. And also Nancy Myers just being, I think, one of the most financially profitable female directors ever. You know, she just comes out and all of her shit is just like heavy hitter after heavy hitter after heavy hitter. I mean, she's making yeah, like and, Ben-Hur and, kind of money for rom-coms. And, and, she, and she knew, she knows maybe better than any other writer, any other director, how best to utilize Diane Keaton because they had mm-hmm. they had worked so many times they did baby she was a writer on baby yes. boom if I'm not mistaken yeah writer she was and a writer on a, on father of the bride yep. like like she knows what's going on here it's just it's one of those situations where you get the director and the and the and the actor together like Ryan Coogler and Michael B Jordan if those two are together you're like Ryan Coogler knows how to make this guy sound incredible and look incredible in a movie you're speaking Paul's language because like Paul's whole thing is that all the romantic comedies that we do have on the list are pretty much all from the 1930s and we don't have anything modern on this list. We don't have any way of modern people falling in love. It's pretty much all Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant or, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we evolve, like we do evolve. And we were talking about this uh, in a couple episodes ago where, you know, I think romantic comedies are also a time capsule of an era, right? So not that, um, that you've got male is my favorite romantic comedy, but it definitely captures a moment in our culture as we're going through mm-hmm. something. I think Harry Met Sally is going through a moment in our culture that captures something. And it's, and, and I think what you said about big sick, it's we're starting, you start to see the actual world that we're living in. Cause it's, it's the most real that we can be. It's sort of like what the modern complication is for falling in love. And I almost feel like if you're going to put these on the list, you do need to represent an era from each one. You know, it's, it, it's not, we can't just all have them be Catherine Hepburn as great as she is. You want to spread out the wealth a little bit because it is, um, it's, I think the genre that changes the most, like biopics are never going to really be that much different. You know, comedies at the root will never be that much different, but this is kind of a, a look into who we are as like an American society for the most part. But now Shay, you are, I mean, you are a movie lover. You uh, are a, uh, a a really great writer, and you have this book that is uh, coming out uh, that's actually out right now called Movies and Other Things. So tell us about this this book, because I am a huge fan of basketball and other things, one of President Obama's uh, favorite books. Uh, tell me about uh, Movies and Other Things. Yeah, that was, that was wild to see my name on that list. Movies and Other Things is set up uh, structurally the same way that basketball and other things is set up, which is to say every chapter in the book is a different movie question that needs to be answered. Like, for example, we just spent all this time talking about Diane Keaton. Uh, there, of course, there's a Diane Keaton chapter in the book. And the the question there is, when was Diane Keaton the most charming and something's got to give? <laughs> and, and, then, and then so like, so that's like what we're trying to answer there. But also really we're, spending a bunch of time just talking about her career and like what makes her so special and all the different things that she can do. But all of the chapters are set up like that. Some of them are like one movie specific, like that one. 
Um, and then other ones are like, okay, we're going to talk about all of gangster movies for the next three chapters and, and go through there like that. But yeah, every chapter is a different question that needs to be answered. And there you go. It's illustrated. It's got charts and like silly stuff in there like that. It's a, it's a, it's fun. Hopefully. It, no, it's incredibly fun. And I think the way that you write, uh, like again, basing, basing this on the basketball book, it, it takes, uh, I mean the basketball, you, you take stats and you made them come to life. So I can't wait to kind of get into your theories. Cause you also have a, a chapter about a uh, mean girls in here too, right? Yeah, there's a Regina George chapter. So that's a good one where a, a good example of like, okay, uh, have, I'm sure you two have seen the movie Mean Girls. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay, Mean Girls, great. Regina George is an iconic high school movie character. And they do this bit in Mean Girls where they like sit at the table and it's the cool kids at the table. So I said, all right, let me, let me watch this movie. Let me see. There are six seats at this table. So if you've got Regina George there and then you've got five empty seats, if we take all of the high school movies that have ever existed and we say these, all of these characters all go to the same school, they're all, they all exist in the same universe. Johnny Lawrence from Karate Kid yeah. and you know, every, every movie to all the boys I've loved before, we've got all those characters. Wow. We've got everybody in there. If we, if that's the case, who are the five people, who are the other five movie characters from high school movies who are going to sit at that table with Regina George? Who does she pick to like, do we get ISIS from what's the, Oh, oh from I'm, bring I'm, it I'm on. Absolutely. Yeah. Bring, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, the, the, you do. Do we get recent election? Do we get uh Catherine from cruel intention? Like who, that's the chapter there. We're just filling in those seats. So we're going through a list of like, here are some people who might be, but probably won't. Here are some people who, shouldn't be but might sneak on there here are some definite that's how that chapter i love that and i want to see the movie where regina george goes after Catherine from cruel intentions i want to see the two of them just like fight it out (laughs) so that that's like i spend like a a good amount of time writing about that because i think if those two are hanging out i think if you get regina george on cocaine like Catherine (laughs) was with the little cross like uh, they're fucking terrifying to no end at that point i well how when you go to write this you know, obviously, these are things that are all ingrained in our culture, right? You say these names, we know immediately who you're speaking of. When you think about high schools, you go to wherever you were connected, you know, whatever you grew up on. Do you go back and rewatch these movies or do you do it a lot from memory? Like, how do you go about writing a, a chapter like this, you know? Something like this, I go, I rewatch all of the movies. <laughs> like, so for, for this particular one, I mean, they give you 18 months to write a book. Right. And a movie is two hours long. You can watch this movie many movies as you want. So for this one, I was like, cool, let me first put together a list of all of the best high school movies and maybe some of the ones that aren't on there as well. And then let me just rewatch all of these. And it, and it, it helps because you just forget a lot of the stuff about it. Even if it's like your favorite movie, Mean Girls is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I couldn't tell you right now, like name two of the producers on there. I have no idea. Right, right. I have to look, you don't have to look it up. So I want to rewatch all of the movies to get all the information down and take all my notes and then it'll help me like put the, the chapters together like that. Are you, um, it, would you say that Mean Girls is your favorite high school movie? I, you know what? I think it might be. I think I've spent enough time talking about it that uh, there's no way for me to argue that it, <laughs> that it isn't. I, Regina George is definitely my favorite high school movie character of, of, of all time. Um, that movie probably is it. Yeah, it's just so it's just so interesting and so smart and so well done. You rewatch it and you're like, oh, they're talking about like so many different things. And those movie, a, a movie like that is like, oh, it's about high school girls. That that sort of becomes all that it's about until you 
like sit down and pay attention to it and they're like, oh, wow, they, this is way more than, than I was anticipating. This is uh, fantastic. I mean, it's great to be able to talk to you about your AFI picks. You've now engaged me so much uh, that I want to, uh, to kind of get in the, uh, I want to kind of go back and watch some of these movies. Yeah, go. Let me know after y'all watch Blood In, Blood Out. We'll start an email chain and we can talk about how great it is. I, I can't wait. And, and I do want to <laughs> just take a moment, and this is a little bit more how did this get made territory than unspooled territory, but your love of Gerard Butler is uh, yes. is is a love that I have. Uh, Den of Thieves is a great movie. You wrote a great piece about it. Um, and uh, and this recent piece that you wrote uh, just a couple weeks ago about uh, what's a Gerard Butler movie every movie Gerard Butler's in is it's a piece that I didn't know that I needed, but it's a conversation that I have all the time. Uh, (laughs) you know, he is, we're always saying like, who's the next action star. I'm like, he's doing it. He's doing a lot of stuff. (laughs) Uh, I, I am a big, uh, a big, big fan. Can I, can I tell you one quick den of thieves story real fast? Yes, please. So, so that piece that you mentioned, I wrote it, it came out and I like you love den of thieves. It's, it's just such a, fun movie to watch so i wrote this whole thing about it it came out and then i don't know like two weeks later i just happened to be in la i was out there for some work stuff and my phone rings and it was uh christian gudegas the guy who directed den of thieves he's like oh hey what's up i read the thing well like, i just wanted to reach out and say i appreciate it and then we had a whole conversation about den of thieves he's just this incredibly cool guy they're in the middle or they're beginning uh den of thieves too and he's like do you want to talk about den of thieves too because we can talk about that like he was just like, <laughs> you hear all of these horror stories about people in hollywood or, or this or that um but this was a time where uh, he was just cool he just wanted to fight to hang out and i was all about it i, I love that well you know what i love about den of thieves too is not the sequel but as well is uh is that it it reminds me of the action movies that I grew up on that were smarter than just like the dumb action movies, but it, it makes me feel that way. And I mean, a perfect example is this trilogy of Gerard Butler movies right now. This like this, uh, you the know, has fallen trilogy? The, the has fallen trilogy. Like the, the, <laughs> yeah. the first time I saw that, cause it came out against white house is down or whatever that one was. And I'm like, ah, but that, when I saw the Gerard Butler, one, I was like, Oh yes, this is what I want. I want people <laughs> yeah. getting their throats ripped open. Like I want like that lethal weapon style action movie that I'm missing. It really it's it's great. That's a perfect example of the difference between a Gerard Butler movie and a non-Gerard Butler movie. Because White House Down is the exact same it's like yeah. the, it's the same movie, but this one got a trilogy because it had Gerard Butler and the other one didn't because it didn't. And Whoa, it just, wait, I want to stick like, up for one moment of White House Down if we're going to do that. Uh-oh. Because that's uh, one of the few movies where where our hero realizes if he's going to get out of this situation, he has to change shoes and he puts on some sneakers. <laughs> and I really appreciate that detail. Yeah, that's great. I love All right. it. You got me on that one. <laughs> Shay, <laughs> it's been uh, great to talk to you. Uh, congratulations on the book. I hope to see you uh, as a New York Times bestselling author yet again with uh, movies and other things, which is available right now in your uh, bookstore, on your Amazon, uh, wherever you get your books. Uh, And uh, make sure you read what he's writing over at uh, The Ringer. Um, All right, we will uh, talk to you uh, hopefully one time again soon. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Paul. Bye, buddy. Well, that was our interview with Shay. He's fantastic. Make sure you go out and uh, get a copy of Movies and other things. Uh, There's so many great essays in it. Um, I have my copy. It's right next to my basketball book that he also wrote, which 
I, I don't know. I think he just has a great way of looking at things. As you can tell, like, I think those choices were very unique. I don't think anybody else we would have had would have gone anywhere near those films. They were fantastic. And you know what? Nancy Meyer Army. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go home and watch White Men Can't Jump uh, because he really got me excited about it. And then be severely disappointed when I watch Money Train right after it. Uh, all right. We'll see you later in the week for a full episode of Unspooled. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, essential plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.